0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Thank you so much. Our, our God does it again. I mean, that's literally been the goodness calling card of glory church we don't know what we're doing so many times uh but our god just keeps showing up again and again even the people who are we are unfaithful at times he heals he provides he moves and so i know that this morning he will do the same he's gonna move He's gonna move, and in a room this size, I don't know your faith background. I don't know uh, even Glory Family. Some of you I, we haven't got to know know each other very well, but I don't know if you grew up in a church. I don't know if your family was uh, were believers. I don't know if you're here giving God one last shot. Um, I don't know what your faith background is if you're watching on Facebook. I don't know, but what I do know is that when our God is present, reality does change. And I know for a fact that he's ready to speak this morning. And so I'm so thankful that you're with us. Um, We are starting something very new this morning, a new series called Blessed, Um, and for those of you who know the Bible, it's over Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and we'll get to that, but one thing that you will come to know about me, whether you watched uh, online services, maybe some of you, you're here because you watched online services and it led you here. Thank you, but one thing you will come to know is I cannot teach the Bible without talking practical. Like That's number one of our core values is that we live his truth because too many people learn truth and don't live it. And so there's a very big difference in knowing truth and letting it be alive and at work in you. And so we are going to get very practical this morning. I mean, have you ever shown up to a church and it felt like uh, what he was speaking, what was going on, was just in one ear, confused everything in here, and then it was just out the other? Um, I will promise you that is not what's going to happen this morning we are getting very basic. I don't know if you know much about uh, the the gospels, but in Matthew five, Jesus is uh, getting into the habit of, of of now leading and doing ministry and teaching, and he sits down on a mountainside and the crowd surrounds him, and he has two different crowds with him he has the disciples people who've literally left everything to follow him people who who are all in and then the people who are just uh, on the outside They they heard the good things that he's done he's done a few miracles uh you know a blind man was healed all these things and so they're they're catching wind of it their ears are peaked and they come close and that's what we're opening up to this morning but i just want you to know the correlation between that mountain and here in the room because there are believers in this room people who've left everything to follow jesus Some of you, your lives have not been easy. You've experienced death and heartache and pain. And just like the disciples, you left it all to follow Jesus. And then there's others who are giving him a chance. You've heard of what he's done in other people. And so you're here. We are just like this crowd, and I'm excited because uh, if you know anything about what is about to happen, uh, Jesus is going to make a big separation between what people think of him to be and what he is And So as we get into this, I just have a question. Have you ever... Um, met someone, and when you met them, the way that they responded or reacted or even who they were was very different, pleasantly, than you had expected. I mean, perhaps you're married to someone who was very different than you had originally expected, uh, or you're best friends with someone that is different than you expected. Maybe you had these false expectations, you went into it and you're like, wow, they're real people wow, like, they, they actually have a heart. Uh, they're kind. You weren't, you weren't prepared for them to be so raw or so easy to get along with. You weren't, you weren't prepared for the conversation to flow so well. You made false expectations, and then the, the whole encounter was different. I will say that is probably the best compliment I have gotten as a pastor is, wow, you were not what we expected, and uh, in a good way, or our church, this was not what we had expected. Uh, the world does a really good job of hardening us, but... We will see that the people in this story did not expect Jesus to respond or react or speak in the manner that he did. And I will say uh, it was eye-opening for them. You are going to read in this, there is a series of eight blessed are thes. And that's what we're going to dive into the next few weeks. But what I will say is it is going to be different than we expect, because even though we know them, even though we know Jesus, even though we've, we've been with him for a while, the, the still practical baking in of what these blessed are thus, they look way different than we expect because our flesh does not like it. The ways of the world are very different. And so I will just ask as we get into this, uh, can you do me the honor of just giving him a chance to be different than you would expect? I'll tell you one of the most dangerous things I can do as a pastor is box Jesus into my comforts or box him into my struggles right now or box him into my current doubts or box him into my current biasness, box him into my current pain or box him into my current insecurities. And the moment we do that, we miss the Jesus who is very different than we expect, but exactly what we need to hear. So can you do that for me as we get into this, whether you are a glory family member, or you're checking us out for the first time, just do me a favor. And allow Jesus to be different than you expect. Let him teach you. So we're going to open up to Matthew 5. I encourage you to do so. If you have it, there's literally just three short verses. Because if you know anything about this section, it's pretty much boom, 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 boom. Just all the blessed are those are right after one another. So it starts off and Jesus notices a crowd is coming. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds in Galilee, is where he is, he went up to a mountain, and after that he sat down, and his disciples came to him. Now, a pause, because what is going on is he's noticing all these crowds are following him. Right before this, he did some miracles, did some uh, very eye-opening things, and now people are stalking, are coming to him. Galilee is, is now focused on him, so he gets up to a mountain, not to pray, not to get alone, which we've talked about this summer, Uh, to escape to but he got up to elevate himself so that they could hear him better and he sits and as he sits i don't know if the facebook people will be able to see me but as he sits it's a very different posture and the disciples come and sit and then the crowd comes in close and i want you to know as we get this this is a very different look than what we would typically see. But right next to him are the people who want to follow him. And then on the outside of that are those who are like, I don't know yet. Maybe he'll do something crazy and we can have a good story. Uh, Maybe something crazy will happen and we can have a good story. And so that was sort of the lineup that was happening. And it says in verse 2 that he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'll tell you what happened the moment he spoke this and the ones to follow is as those phrases set in. And I wish I, wish I knew, like, how much time was in between all of these. If he just spoke it, let it sit, let the confusion happen, let everyone, like, oh, but I have some questions. And then he goes on. I don't know. But uh, what I do know is the moment that this set... It made some some big distinctions between the followers of Jesus who literally left everything and those on the outside. You will see that the blessed are thus talk about who is blessed and then therefore infer who isn't. And it's to be this awkward separation of what one group has and what the other group doesn't. And it's supposed to bring a gateway, a draw for the, the latter group to be a part of it. It's supposed to bring conviction and change and challenging those who are blessed to be like, why, why am I blessed? What, what does it mean? And so blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as it's said, we know the word poor. They know the word poor. I mean, everyone in Galilee knew what poor meant. Poor in their time were the outcasts, poor were the, uh, uh, the, the ones who were beggars, poor were the, uh, the, the, the lower, lower class. Every citizen, every group of people know what the word poor is. And then he said the word spirit. I mean, even though that's a little more hard to fathom of a word, it was familiar in their context. The inner person, spirit, the inner life. But it was the grouping of these words that was confusing for everyone as it said. Poor and Spirit poor in spirit, those who are poor in spirit are blessed. Now I just want to like play the devil's advocate. What do you mean, poor in the spirit? Those who are poor in the spirit. Shouldn't it be those who are strong in the spirit are blessed? Those who are confident in themselves, those who pull uh, pull up their bootstraps when, when a problem arises and, and heads toward it, those who fight for the for what is right, those who uh, see a problem and claim it as, as theirs to fix, aren't the strong in spirit? Those who bring honor to their family, those who pursue and make a name and provide and fight and strive and aren't the ones who are strong in spirit blessed? Because they get the job done, right? In this day and age, strong in the spirit meant way more sense than poor in the spirit. There's a very difference. Isn't it the, the ones who are able, who are able, who, who are those who are respectable citizens in this society? Aren't they the ones who are blessed? But Jesus said, poor in the spirit Poor in the spirit. If you were taking notes, which I would love for you to, because even the disciples were really confused by this, uh, you can write this down. That poor in the spirit simply means those who are voluntarily humble. Now, I just want to put a lot of weight to this word humble, because it's not the 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 kind little humble that we, we ask for our kids to do when they're just arrogant. Anyone have uh, arrogant seven-year-olds? I have two of them. and um, But it just that's not the kind of humble. The humble here. Is this depth of lowliness that you voluntarily take for the sake of others? To be poor in the spirit literally means that you are deeply believe you. I have nothing, and I'm God, and you are a beggar. Poor in the spirit means in in light of you, I have nothing, and I am nothing. Poor in the spirit is a voluntary choice to be nothing, to be nothing, and it's actually those who are blessed who, have, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's this idea of In front of God's glory, I am nothing and all that I have, so I go to him. I go to him. And I'll tell you, that's not really easy to do. There are dozens of attributes that we could talk through that separate poor from wealthy. In fact, we could have like a whole, you know, a whole little conversation just on that. If I had a whiteboard right here and drew poor on one side and wealthy on the other, we could name a whole lot of attributes that make these different, right? But a lot of the attributes that funnel under the poor, if you think about it, a lot of them fall along the lines of what the poor don't have access to, what options or opportunities they don't have access to, what opportunities and options. And the reason why I say this is because the poor are very different than the wealthy. Think about wealthy, Uh, you have the option when you're wealthy to decide what you want to eat, to decide where you want to go. You have the option to decide what you want to wear. If you want to go in or stay out, the wealthy have the option to do many things, to be comfortable, to have a place or a flavor that they want. Uh, The wealthy have options, but for the poor, for poverty, options are minimal. And this became the life of the disciples. So I want to push in on this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you were taking notes, write this down. A blessed life comes from the heart that leaves the endless options. So now we're going to define this a little bit. The endless options to pursue the one. The spirit, those who are poor in the spirit, are the ones who leave the you can do anything or you can have anything lore of the world to pursue the one who literally is everything. Does that make sense? This is the difference because we love all the options in our world. We love all the options, but the poor in the spirit de- denies all of these options to pursue the one that truly has everything. This will give me value, but he is my value. I, in my mind, this will give me a stance or, or power. This will give me recognition, but he, I need him to be recognized, because at the end of the day, that doesn't give me joy. He does. At the end of the day, I still go home and feel worthless. He provides my worth. And so, poor in the spirit means those who have constantly handed over every other option for the one who is everything. Think of the disciples Peter, James, John, Andrew, Thomas, Nathaniel. All of those guys were mostly likely fishermen. Then we have Matthew, who was a wealthy tax collector, he had all the options. He could wear what he wanted to. He could go where he wanted. He was a man of wealth. He had opportunities. Simon was a radical traveling man. He could go wherever he pleased, do whatever he wanted, and, and shout whatever he cared to shout. He was, a, he was a zealot. And Philip James and Judas were tradesmen. Each of them had lives full of options. They had ladders to climb, wealth to pursue, uh, uh, gifts to grow in. They had pro- people to provide for. And it was on their lap to do all of this. And then this man came along and said, drop everything and follow me. And we like deny and overlook like the the. the the distance between those 12 disciples close to him and the people who were behind them, but they were poor in the spirit and didn't even realize how. But they heard him and they dropped everything. Like the poor, their focus became only on today alone. I mean, like literally, I don't, I don't think we understand how scary this is. They were the crazy people that followed the crazy man. They were the crazy people who got in a boat during a storm and expected to live through it. They're the crazy people that followed him everywhere, no doubt. Though they had doubt, right? They were supposed to follow him with no doubt, but they had it. But yet, every day, he tells them, Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Seek first the kingdom, and all this will come. Why? Because the poor in the spirit are those who have the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you want to know who has access to the endless resources? Of glory, we do. We do. Those who humble themselves from the endless what-ifs of the world and pursue the one who provides it. Now, is that the gospel of prosperity? No, it's the gospel of provision that he constantly provides for those who have nothing because they come to him expecting him to. But it's that choice of leaving behind the options and pursuing the one who has it. I mean, think through the, the resources of the kingdom. They're chain breaking. The resources of the kingdom are hope giving, life speaking. The resources that we have in the kingdom are when you have a death in your family, yet joy is still an anthem or an option. The lame can walk. The re- blind people can see. The resources of the kingdom is that that lame can walk. The resources of the kingdom is that uh, that heaviness, heartache, depression. Uh, heartache and and, and anxiety has hope. Even though it's a process, it has hope. Those are the resources of the kingdom, but I will tell you, the enemy hates it. So he can get us daily to pursue the options instead of pursuing the option, the only one. He can get us to, to pursue all of the options instead of just saying, no, this is who. I'm going after this is my hope is built on nothing less right than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. The resources of the kingdom are chain breaking, but only those who have access to it. Think about it. If the enemy can get us to confide in ourselves, and we do this all the time, uh, you have a, str- a struggle in your marriage. Your go-to reaction is to keep it in. Do other options in if the enemy can get us to uh to pursue other options in our life, then what he can do is he can he can limit us from being the needy ones who go to Jesus. Because that's what it means to be poor in the spirit. Do you need the access to the heavens, heavenly resources? You beg the Savior, you go needy, but he will get us to seek on our own. We fight. Insecure, we we try to be strong in the spirit and claim what is ours, or strive with endless options of the world and bombard our life. And I will tell you, we will inevitably be shaped by those options. You want to get practical? Write this down. Options create preference. Sorry, options create preference. There it is. There they are. Think about it. If we have seven places to eat. You can quickly narrow down those seven places based on your taste buds and your preference. Options create preference. And when unchecked, preferences will create biasness. No, think about that. Like, as if you have a whole lot of options, you are going to create preferences amidst that, which is going to deny the other options. And then even in that, unchecked, you create a biased heart. And this is the crux of the American church because we are just like those in the Good Samaritan story. Think about it for Israel. They had a lot of options. And in their options and pursuits, they created preferences and so the Levite and the priest, they see a man who's in oppression and they enable it to happen because their unchecked preferences created biasness. You better believe that Levite loved being clean. He loved getting the stance of approval based on the law. He, he created for himself a biasness based on the options that the Jewish tradition created for them. And this he then overlooked the oppression of this man where the kingdom resources heal oppression. A biased heart enables it. And I don't think we realize how biased we've become. I mean, we get to choose where we want to eat, what we wear, where we go, and in doing that, we we involuntarily say no to others. Say no to other things because it's not comfortable for us. We like And endless options can quickly become like the Levite and the priest who leaves the hurting man half dead. You know the story, the Good Samaritan story. And the enemy loves this, but let's press in a little bit more. Because options don't just show the rich what they have access to. Endless options also take into account the rich have the ability to cover up. When the rich are, are, are sad, they can put on the excess makeup to cover it. When the rich are, are, are struggling, they can, they can go to the luxury of distraction. But think about literally poverty, you cannot help but just be poor. When you're sad, you're sad. You don't have that. When you're dirty, you're dirty. When you don't look like, you do not ready to smile, you can't brush your teeth to smile and put on the smile. The poor don't have the option to cover, to hide, to distract, to put on facades or, or uh, to put on uh, this, this, this better looking self. And this is the poor in the spirit that we are called to do. We are to give up our option to cover. We are to give up our option to hide. We are to give up our option to, 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 to uh, defend ourselves, to claim our rights. We are to be poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. And this is the same thing Jesus' disciples had to learn. Uh, one of my favorite passages are in Luke 10, and we're going to read that in a little bit because Luke 10 uh, sort of fast forwards from the Sermon on the Mount, and now he has grown his following. He doesn't just have 12-plus disciples. He now has 72-plus disciples. And in Luke 10, he's going to send them out two-by-two two into neighboring uh, cities, neighboring towns, and he's going to tell them a couple things. When you go into the town, I want you to speak peace. If they say peace be with you back, then stay there. I need you to set up shop, and what you're going to do is you're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out demons, and you're going to tell them that the kingdom of God is near. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but these are retired fishermen who are now bringing the healing of heaven. These are retired prostitutes who are now bringing the healing of heaven, a retired uh, tax collector. These are retired tradesmen who now have access to give healing of heaven and I think we overlook that but Jesus knew what he was doing and when we look at sort of the description of what he tells them to do and not do it shows what poor in the spirit looks like as we go and give are you ready for this it says in Luke 10 verse 2 Jesus said to them the harvest is plentiful there's a lot of the harvest but the laborers are few so ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And so Jesus doesn't go on your way and get this. See, I'm sending you like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals and greet no one on the road. In other words, do not bring anything with you. Now, this goes against, like, my very makeup. I was a Boy Scout growing up, guys. And uh, number one motto of Boy Scouts is always be prepared. So you carried that big bag with you uh, hiking. And uh, you had your your knife. You had your extra clothes. You had your tarp. You had your tent. You had your first aid kit. You had everyone else's food because no one else brought a bag. And uh, you had water. You had everything you needed Unless any issue came and Jesus said, do not bring a purse or bag. Do you want to know why? Because when the problem arises, the poor in spirit don't look in their bag for the option to help the problem. They look to the father who will solve it. Did you get that? Like that's the hardest part of being poor in the spirit is because what the bag can offer you might be temporary, but the poor in the spirit have the access to heaven. And that's scary. So don't go into the city with a bag. Go into the city knowing when everyone else is dressed up and you are smelly, that you still carry with you the peace and healing of God. You don't have to put on a facade to be present there. No, you speak peace, they will know it, and you bring healing next. And yet we try to cover, we try to hide, we think that we need to be prepared and bring with, and the options end up hurting and distracting Instead of confidently saying, no, I'm going to go in and I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust that he will provide. When the fire comes, he'll be there. When I'm hungry, I'm not going to look into the bag for the endless options of what to eat. I'm going to trust the one who will provide. And now that's the scary thing. But those people are blessed. Those people. I don't know about you, but I need To be those people a little bit more. I am a planner. I am a prepper. I want to have all the options covered. I want, if there is a scrape, for us to have a Band-Aid. Right? Like, we want to be prepared. But Jesus says, when you go, bring nothing. Bring nothing. And years later, Peter, and this is after Jesus died. Years later, if you want to write something down, read the story in Acts 3. All right? This is years later. Jesus has died and resurrected and Peter walks with John and they see a man begging on the ground, a lame man who's unable to walk and they see him and he asks Peter and John, do you have any money? And now I would love to think that this guy named Peter has learned a couple of things about what he can provide people. And so... He doesn't have a purse with money because that would distract him from the fact of seeing what this man really needs, which is crazy and dumbfounding. But he looks to him and says, I don't have silver or gold. I don't have but what I do have. I give to you in the name of Jesus stand. And the man leaps. Healed completely. Now, what we have to provide people are not the endless options of what we carry, but we have the literal resources of heaven at our disposal. And Peter and John learned a couple things of how to lean in, how to be present, how to rely on, how to trust in, how to be needy, how to beg when begging is, is necessary. And so we're going to get a little practical. If you want to know how this week You can have access into the the heavenly resources. I will tell you that clutter will always distract. Clutter. Clutter. What I mean by clutter is, is yes, literal clutter sometimes. Did you know that the most unhappy uh, kids are the ones that have too many toys? A clinical study literally proved that when you give toys, too many toys to a kid, that they're actually more sad that they are actually more idle, more frustrated, more prone uh, to, to anger and fights. But kids are actually happier with less. And I think God knows this. I wonder how many times he looks at his children and realizes that the reason you're idle or frustrated or been lonely, the reason that you've been struggling lately with depression and it's been high It's not because he's not near, but because you filled your worries with way too many options. There's clutter. And so literally, declutter your schedules this week. Let half of your wardrobe go. My wife and I did this, and that's hard. Literally stop allowing options to define you or to take up time, and that sounds so easy, right? It's not. Narrow down your grocery list. Get rid of some of those preferences. Delete some of the apps that take up all your time. Stop going to seven grocery places, but go to one and see people there. Get rid of the options so that you can be more present to the one. Does this make sense? It's so strange, but it starts saying this. I have no other option but. I mean, what if you did that every day? Like, I have a hard day, but I have no other option but follow you, God. I have no other option but. Doing this. I have no other option but trusting you. I'm choosing to not look to medicine or I'm choosing to not look to this. I'm choosing to not look to my confidence or self esteem. I have no other option but you. I think that would be transformative. I think it would be transformative. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to ask yourself what would it look like for you to be poor in the Spirit? Where are the places that you cover and you need to let aside some rights? Put aside some rights for the sake of the kingdom. What are the options that have distracted you? What are the things that have created biasness in your heart? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I'm gonna ask everyone to just bow your head because I want to take this further. Got to know for a fact that there are Neighbors who need the resources that I have access to. There are neighbors, literal people that live next door to the people in this room that need the resources that they have access to. But God, I just pray that you forgive us for every time we've chosen to be strong in the spirit. Or are by all the options in our life. Instead of pursuing you, God, may we be the peacemakers, the peace givers that you've called us to be. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.